In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a catch. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, usually joined alongside my co-host, Aaron Murray. But today, I've got a special guest in the fold, friend of the program, former Georgia Bulldog great, eight-year NFL veteran with the Cincinnati Bengals and a good buddy of mine. Clint Bowling joins the program. That's like Clint last joined Punt and Pass on the Quarantine Chronicles on March 17th, so over four months ago. The world has changed a little bit. College football, NFL football is on the horizon. Hopefully, we will certainly talk about a few headlines with Clint. Be sure to follow us on social media. Twitter and Instagram is at Punt and Pass. I am at Drew Butler, and Clint is at cbowling60 on Twitter. If you tweet at him and ask him for specific requests, Clint, can you wish my wife a happy birthday? My kid's a huge dogs fan. Can you tweet at him? He very well may give you a tweet. Who knows? Clint, what's up, my man? How are you? Nothing. I, uh, I love the enthusiasm, man. Fired up for the Pun and Pass podcast. Um, yeah, the good luck getting me to tweet at you, though. I think my last tweet was on uh, January 24th uh, when my do- my second daughter, Avery, was born. So uh, <laughs> wife's birthday was a couple was a few days ago. Did she, she get a tweet? Get a tweet she, so she did not get a tweet. She did, she did not get a tweet. So uh, they're tough to come by these days. <laughs> I love it. Well, hey, we last talked to you on March 17th. Obviously, the world was just beginning to turn upside down. And at that point, golf season was really kicking into gear. I heard a little rumor that your golf game has picked up tremendously throughout quarantine. Are these rumors true? Because last time we spoke to you, you hadn't even broken 80 yet. Uh, they are true. Uh, the golf game is better now, um, which has been fun to uh, get out and play. It is brutally hot outside, as everybody I'm sure knows. But, uh, you know, it's so good to get out there and get a little exercise and play 18 right now. Yeah, yeah. I've had a chance to get to play with you, and I can attest that his golf game has gotten better. Clint fired a nice little 77 last week at the Atlanta Athletic Club. Coincidentally, they just formed a handicap committee at the Atlanta Athletic Club as well. So, Clint, if you get tabbed there and the handicap gets adjusted, we all know why. That's a fact. But congratulations on the good golf game. Hope the family 
is safe and healthy. Let's dive into these topics, man. If you listen to Punt and Pass, like I know you do, Clint, I've been on the optimistic side about college football continuing this fall. Will it look different? Of course. Will there be out-of-conference games? Who knows? Will there be fans in the stands? No idea. But even though the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have said, hey, we're playing conference only, I think it's smart that the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 are waiting to make the decision. My sources tell me the decision will come around August 1st. I've had very reputable sources tell me football's not happening. One week, the next week, they're saying no decisions made. The next week, they're saying we're going to go full ahead. But keep in mind, and as I've reminded everybody, the student-athletes are on campus right now, working out with the coaches, getting ready for fall camp to start. Big news at Georgia, Clinton. This is where I want to start with you, having played in the NFL for eight years on the offensive line. Georgia obviously rebuilding their offensive line. They lost their top two tackles last year. Both were first-rounders. And Jamari Sawyer is slated to be the starting left tackle for the Dogs in 2020. He played right tackle in the Sugar Bowl against Baylor. He was more so a backup fill-in guy, role player on the line. I guess we'll start with what's that like switching from right tackle to left tackle? Obviously, Sawyer has gotten into great shape. He's reportedly weighing around 315 pounds. Speak to us about versatility on the offensive line and how that's tough to adjust, especially with a new coach with Matt Luke being in town. Uh, you know, it's, it's definitely different, but you know, when you get these guys, um, you know, a whole off season, when you, when you spring it on them spur of the moment and, you know, you throw them out there for the first time, obviously there's a big adjustment, just, you know, you're still playing offensive line, but just to go from the left to right side, it, it's tough. But the biggest thing too, is, you know, when they're, you're getting guys to do it at a young age, uh, especially in college and moving them around. I think it's huge for those guys to be able to play guard, tackle guard center, um, just moving guys from the left or right side one, because, you know, you're still having a ton of competition um, and getting those guys to move around. But, um, you know, if you're asking a 32 year old NFL veteran to switch <laughs> from the right or left side, that's, you know, got a hundred plus starts at left tackle. And you're like, Hey, you're going to go play right guard or right tackle this week. Good luck with that. That's uh, that would be very difficult for those guys. But, you know, as a younger guy and guys that, you know, you know, still athletic, still learning the game. They, um, you know, I don't see any problem or issue with that. Yeah, Sawyer tweeted out a video May 13, 2020. It said he was 315. He looks svelte. He looks strong. He's a big-ass dude. And Anthony Dasher wrote a really good uh, piece for UGASports.com. I'd, I'd highly suggest everybody go check it out, really talking about the potential that Sawyer has being the starting left tackle at Georgia this year. Clearly, a ton of eyeballs are going to be on the offense, but more so kind of the legacy that's being created, Clint. Some would say that you maybe started this legacy back in 2007, 2008, 2009. But recently, Andrew Thomas, Isaiah Wynn, both first-round tackles. Dasher writes, if you want a physical reference point on Jamari Sawyer, imagine this one. He is a stronger version and taller of former two-year starter Isaiah Wynn. So, I mean, that's a great comparison to have. Obviously, Wynn, a late first-rounder with the New England Patriots, if Sawyer can use that physicality and that frame to produce and protect that blind side of the quarterback, he's going to be looking pretty good in two years heading into the league. Yeah, you know, obviously Isaiah was a was a really good player, but 
um, you know, for, for those guys, especially at tackle, it's not a ton about height, but just arm length. And, uh, you know, for them to be able to get their arms on guys first, especially in pass protection, um, you know, that that's the big key for those guys. And, obvi- and, and then definitely Georgia, you know, that's what they've been doing. They've been stacking up the O-line and recruiting. And, uh, you know, you lose a couple of guys. That's, I mean, that's what you want. You want to have guys that get drafted early and uh, have guys that come in and replace them. Yeah, it's going to be great to see how this offensive line really comes together under Matt Luke. I think it's a huge advantage that Coach Luke was with the dogs throughout bowl practice. Obviously, they all played well against Baylor in the Sugar Bowl, but eyes are going to be on Todd Munkin. I mean, that's probably the biggest hire on the coaching staff, undoubtedly, of the offseason. He's bringing this air raid offense. People think air raid. They think four verts. They think air it out every single play, deep bombs, like video game style, but it's not really like that, Clint. I mean, a lot of times you see 10 or 11 personnel, you see short underneath intermediate passes that almost play as an extension to the run game. What's that like from an offensive lineman's perspective? I mean, quarterback getting the ball out of his hands quick. You don't really have to set back and bear down for pass rush. Got to feel pretty good when you guys buckle down and start getting into the run game. I don't, you know, I don't obviously, I don't necessarily see Georgia going into a, um, you know, air raid offense where they're just, you know, throwing it nonstop. I still think their true identity is going to be running the ball. And I don't think they get away from that too much, but at the same time, just to, to do that quick passing game, to have, uh, you know, quick breaking routes up front, that that's huge for guys up front. Nobody wants to sit there and just, and just block these deep pass protection, take shots down the field all the time. I mean, that's a tough spot for offensive linemen just to sit in that spot all day long. So any, you know, anytime you can get the ball out of your hands as quickly as possible, get the quarterback off the spot. Um, I think they'll have some quarterbacks that can, can throw on the run that can take different drops that can get out on the edge and make plays out on the edge. Um, you know, that's the other big thing is to change, you know, one to change up the drops. You have three step, five step, seven step, but at the same time to have guys that can, you know, you can do a sprint out, you can do a, a bootleg, you can do different ways to get the quarterback off the spot. Um, just, you know, from right behind center, you know, that, that way it kind of gets, keeps the defense on their and to be able to move around a little bit. And I think those guys will be able to do that this year. Well, that's a perfect transition into our next talking point, and that, of course, is the quarterback situation. Look, Jake Fromm left early. I highly doubt that he thought that he would get drafted in the fifth round of the Buffalo Bills, and I also highly thought uh, I think that he did not believe that he'd be stuck in Warner Robins for four months in quarantine, not even be able to take place in the offseason program. What a decision, but probably the right one. Maybe looking back on it, because who knows what the uncertainty of what the 2020 season will look like, but Kirby smart and staff go right away they get jamie newman transfer quarterback from wake forest look i know we've talked about this in the past newman can extend the play that's a great compliment to offensive line play certainly and then what came as a huge surprise to me clinton i think you would agree jt daniels the former five-star recruit from southern cal transfers to georgia out of nowhere and this of course was after todd munkin was hired as offensive coordinator now what i had heard when he did transfer obviously coming off off the torn ACL, had a bad leg injury last year in 2019, started 2018 for Southern Cal. 
was that he was not expecting to be eligible. I think he was expecting to be ineligible, learn the offense behind Jamie Newman, and then be able to step in in 2021 and really make an impact. Well, guess what? He becomes eligible, and now, of course, with the lull in headlines, I'm hearing Jamie Newman is not picking up the offense. Jamie Newman is not what he was expected to be at this point. I mean, they haven't even had a practice yet. But, of course, we're going to continue to hear is there a real quarterback competition in Athens? Newman, very well proven. He knows what he's capable of with success at Wake Forest. Daniels, off the injury, young success, I guess, at USC. What do you expect here? Kirby loves competition, but is this just a talking point? Yeah, uh, you know, go figure out the NCAA transfer portal and give me a, <laughs> a list of reasons of why guys can and can't transfer. I mean, go figure that out. Um you know, obviously, you know, you're happy that the guy can play um, and having a competition at any spot, you know, whatever it is, is a good spot to be in. Um, so anytime you get you, you get two guys playing, you know, at the, at the same time, uh, you know, I don't think anybody knows exactly how it's going to turn out. You got two guys that have never been, you know, with this program up until this year. They're both learning new offenses, new offensive coordinator, new head coach. Um, so I, you know, I, I think there's still a ton of question marks and I think until the season, until they get into, you know, actual on the field reps, you know, I, I don't think any of the talking points really matter right now. How much would that you would put, how much would you put into people looking at Jamie Newman's performance against Clemson last year as a knock against him? I mean, Wake Forest got throttled. Obviously Newman didn't perform well enough to take down the number one team of the nation at that point. But a lot of people point to that and say, hey, that was the most SEC-like defense they played a year ago, and Newman couldn't do squat. I mean, do you think that might just be a stretch because Clemson had a ton of ballers last year? Uh, I mean, who who didn't Clemson throttle? Exactly. But second of all, you know, you got to think Georgia's offensive players are going to be better than Wake Forest. Yeah. Um, to throw anybody into that spot that Jamie Newman was in, and there were two teams that that Clemson didn't throttle, and that was in the national championship and playoff games. Um, so, so to say that that's a knock on him, I think is debatable. You know, if you you put him uh, against uh, some SEC caliber offensive line in front of him, SEC caliber running backs, uh, receivers, I, you know, hopefully you know there there'd be a different performance, and hopefully we'll find that out this year. I just want to remind everybody. Clemson beat Wake Forest last year 52-3, to and Jamie Newman went 6-14 of 14 for 41 yards and two interceptions. Clint, I'm going to ask you this. As a friend, as a former star in the NFL, if I got 14 plays at quarterback last year for Wake Forest, could I have gone 6-14 of 14 for 41 yards and two interceptions? There's not a chance you would be able to do that because besides punting a football, there's not much else you can do on the football I, field. I can hold that held for field goals too. I mean, look, that's dual athlete. More you can do. That that's the type of situation that I can bring. But look, I don't hold it against Newman either. Like you said, Clemson throttled everyone last year. I think that's an unfair comparison. And then when it comes to JT Daniels, I just don't know. I don't know enough. Is the knee even healthy enough? I mean, you tore your ACL. You're talking about a quarterback who ripped up his knee last year. Now he's transferring in, new coach, new system. I mean, do you have a lot of confidence if he were to shine throughout fall camp that he could be the guy? Uh, the ACL surgery is not a, not as big as it used to be You know, 15 years ago. These days, 
these doctors are so good at, at doing these surgeries. For me personally, I was back on the field in seven months, uh, had surgery December 31st, and I was ready for training camp at the beginning of August. So, you know, these, these, got, these doctors are so good. The rehab and physical therapists are so good right now that, you know, they're, they're able to get guys back to where they were. Um, you know, the, I wouldn't be surprised either way. I don't think anybody would be shocked either way. I think uh, to have these two guys, they're, they're obviously different quarterbacks too. One's, uh, you know, can, typically gets out on the edge, makes more plays. Uh, another one's probably more of a true pocket passer. So it's just going to be uh, trying to figure out what Georgia wants. And uh, so there's still going to be some question marks about the, about what they're trying to get done, but it wouldn't surprise me one way or another. Yeah, for sure. You know, when Daniels was granted eligibility, Cole Kubelik, former Auburn offensive lineman, now on the SEC Network, I thought had a great tweet, and I'd love your thoughts on this, Clint. He said that Daniels' eligibility is really going to benefit Jamie Newman the most because as opposed to last year with Georgia and Jake Fromm and the lack of depth at the quarterback position, sometimes the play calling by James Coley was really to protect Jake Fromm, to not put him in vulnerable situations to where if he got hurt, Georgia was shit out of luck. I mean, there is no question about it. If he got hurt in-game, Georgia had nowhere to turn now this year with Newman presumably going to be the starter and Daniels on the sideline. Look, you can get Newman out on the edge. You can use his full skill set because if he does get banged up or if he does get injured in a game and can't come back in, you've got a fully capable former five-star quarterback in JT Daniels who has started at USC at the top level. Do, Do you agree with that sentiment? Because frankly, I do. Uh, I, I don't know if I would ne- if I would necessarily agree with the play calling last year. You can't be scared to to have guys go make plays and go win, try to win football games. You're calling games to go win. I I, I, I wouldn't sit there and say that a guy's sitting there like, oh, I can't call this play because what if he gets hurt? Because that, that that's not the way that you call a game. And I don't I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that. But you know, to, to have two guys in that room, I think that does make a difference down the road um, going into this season. Um, because I think it's more of a comp- competition thing where, it's, you know, if you're that quarterback that's in starting or, you know, you're constantly trying to do the best you can because, you know, you have that guy over your shoulder. Like, hey, if I don't play well, somebody else can yeah. play, come in and, and get the job done. But, you know, if that's the case and that's the way that the guy was calling games last year, you know, as a, you know, as a former player, you know, I don't know if I would agree with that assessment. I like your I like your viewpoint there. I, I like your viewpoint. You clearly know that situation, having been in the NFL and having been at Georgia and playing at a, at a very high level. And, and and I hope that we get to the point where we can actually start talking about, hey, X, Y, and Z did this in this squad scrimmage in the third week of fall camp, and so and so had these statistics because that's what everybody wants. People want football back, and since. Major League Soccer's back. PGA Tour's back. Baseball starts later this week. NBA next week. Everybody has put the bullseye on college football. Obviously, college football does not have a commissioner. You've got your leagues that make the decisions, but the media has pinpointed college football, and they're really trying to make sure it doesn't happen. It seems like training camp is going to happen, and it's all up to the testing. The NFL and the Players Association yesterday hashed out an agreement that said we'll have daily testing for the first two weeks. We'll see how it goes, and we will ebb and flow with what we need to do just from your perspective. And I'm pretty sure that you retired at maybe the perfect time, Clint, because everything is absolutely crazy right now surrounding football. What are your thoughts about how camp will be 
for players, both in the NFL and in college, because I've been saying on punt and pass for weeks, these guys just want to play. They are football players, man. They want to play football. That's why they're on campus. That's why they're with their teammates. That's why they're working out, getting ready for the season. Do you think it'll be that drastic of a difference, or you know, they just take their tests and carry on with their day? Uh, I think it will be obviously be a big adjustment for guys. I think you know the the NFL. I, I am still very optimistic about. Yeah. Um, I, I I think that's going to happen. I would be shocked at this point if it didn't happen just so the way that they've been talking with the union and the testing where it's just going to be one of those things. Everybody's going to get tested. And if they, if that's positive, they'll um, try to keep guys as far away as possible, do the virtual meetings, come in and practice. Um, so I'm still optimistic about, about the NFL. I think, you know, the, and I'm still optimistic about colleges, uh, the big conferences for sure, uh, because they have the capabilities to do the testing. I think once you get down below into the smaller conferences and teams that, that don't have the way to test, I think that's when it's going to be tough. I saw something about the NFL was spending over $75 million that they would split amongst the 32 clubs yeah. that, that would be spent on testing for this year. And that's the, that's the reason why I think that the NFL will still happen. Um, and I think those big conferences like the SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, they'll still have the, the resources to do that as well. Um, you know, the knock on all this kind of stuff that that's tough is, you know, I think the college guys do want to play, but the hard part is, is none of those guys have a voice in this whole yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, you know, at least with the NFL, you have the union and you have a uh, representation and people, you know, trying to do what's best for you. Um, but as far as the college players, and I know there's been some steam to get those guys, uh, you know, to have some kind of union and, you know, however it works out, but those guys don't have a voice. Mm -hmm. You know, you got 12 ADs for the SEC trying to make decisions on how these guys play football, you know, with all this going on. And it's not like anybody else is concerned about any one way or another. And I think that's one of the tough parts about college football is those guys just, they don't have a voice in this situation. I think that's the, that's one of the biggest downside for those guys. Um, but like I said, I, I, I am still optimistic about the big conferences. I'm optimistic about the NFL. But as once you kind of go down the totem pole into the, the smaller conferences and, and teams with sports with less resources, uh, you know, it's, it's harder to get on board with those kind of sports. Would you agree with my statement that when you hear athletic directors and university presidents and people from each conference and the NCAA say, we care most about the safety of our student athletes that when the doors are closed, what they care most about is the bottom line and how the economics are going to look at the end of this season and how so much is up for grabs. If there is no football. Um, so what's your question? My again? question is, would you agree with me when I say the, the economics of the decisions of having a football season heavily outweigh the uh, safety of student athletes when these guys make the decisions. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. They, they want to play football for the economic reasons. There's yes. no, you know, th th there's no question about that. Th that's their, that they want to play football because they want the money. Yeah. Uh, all no schools are going to want the money. They don't, they don't care about, you know, sending their, uh, you know, whatever college roster is 120 guys out there and, and that that's not an issue for them. I think it's great. That's too, what the, I'm saying. That's the dis that's the disconnect between college and NFL yeah. is those college guys don't have a voice to to determine what they want to do. Like, hey, we want to 
you know, the NFL, the NFLPA, they're able to say, Hey, we want daily testing. We want guys when they test positive, they're out. We want this, we want that. Mm-hmm. And there's a back and forth with the, with the owners and right or wrong, whether you agree with her or not, at least you can say like, Hey, this is what we want. This mm-hmm. is how we're going to, this is, we have to have this going forward. It's, you know, the union, they're fighting for players health and safety and college. There is no voice the, yeah. the SEC could just come out and say, Hey, we're going on business as usual. And there's no testing or there's no, yeah. um, you know, there's nothing. And so, you know, these guys, they might get tested or something. There's no acclimation period. Let's say you know, they just day one pads and they just go out there and it's just normal football and business as usual where that, you know, at this point in time and this age, that's probably not the right thing to go through during a pandemic, but nobody knows what those guys, how they want to handle it. So. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, you know, credit where credit's due. The SEC has come out, and I'm sure other conferences will follow. And they said if you are a student athlete who's on scholarship and you don't want to play because of your fear of safety, then we will continue to honor your scholarship and you won't lose a year of eligibility. But back to my point, these kids want to play. And I think the statistics have shown that they're in an age group that isn't necessarily fatally in that horribly affected group by coronavirus so who knows but look i think it's continuing to carry on um and it's going to change week by week which will be fascinating for sure bottom line people want football and even if there are limited fans or no fans i think we'll have a product to consume this fall last question for you even though a lot of people have said there will be no out of conference games don't you think they'll find a way and economically it'd make way too much sense to play georgia versus georgia tech florida versus florida state clemson versus south carolina clint i i I think the natural you know scheduling thought process would be if it's if it's an SEC conference only, you go ten games and one out of conference schedule yeah. game, um, and maybe it's just cross conference with, um, you know, SEC ACC. I don't know if it's predetermined. You know, do you keep a LSU Texas matchup because LSU doesn't really have a, a you know a rival with ACC? Yeah. So does it just one out of conference and then that team gets the pick? So I don't I don't know what the answer would be, but I would think that the natural progression would be let's do 10 conference and one out of conference game that would be my guess and that would it wouldn't make any sense why could georgia play go up to missouri and play missouri but they can't drive across town and go play the <laughs> georgia tech that doesn't make any sense i agree so. with you you know that makes uh it makes a lot of sense for sure would you be okay with the college football playoff expanding one year in 2020 and maybe saying hey each power five conference and in, in three at large to make it an at team an, an 18 playoff you almost have to do it. Yeah. Why would you not? Um, at one for ratings, TV, you get, you're generating more revenue uh, with with two extra games, or um, you know. So I think um, you know why would you not do that? I think that would be um, that would be a huge loss to not do that this way, especially with the not as many out of conference games. You kind of get the extra teams that, that maybe didn't win their conference, but mm-hmm. that still played really good football this year. Um, you know, so I, I would think that would be, you know, maybe a one-time exception. And I, I would think too, if, 
you get eight teams in there, I bet it would be a huge success. And maybe that's the, the way it is going forward, too. Yeah, yeah. It, it could really show the effectiveness either way. Like you said, it, shit, if eight upsets one or, or seven upsets two, or on the flip side, if one beats eight by 50 points and it's not even a game, much like one did to four this past year when LSU hung 70 on Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl. But that would be fun to argue. And I hope we do have the opportunity to argue that I'm sure you and I will be arguing about whatever and anything we can in the next couple of weeks. Look, you've broken 80 on the golf course. Now summer is here, brother. What's the next step? I mean, you got to set your goals. This is your day job. Now, what are we aiming for on the golf course before I let you go? Uh, you know, we got to get below, uh, you know, get the index a little bit lower. Okay. There's, there's a goal in the head. And I think, you know, we're going to leave it at that, but we, uh, you know, just kind of keep grinding, uh, keep getting better. And uh, that's all you can do is just keep putting the work in and making deposits. <laughs> and one day you're going to have to withdraw that. Well, I mean, your biggest competition now is the handicap committee. There is no question about that. So good luck navigating that one. He's our I buddy. I think I heard that it goes, that does go both ways though. So your, uh, <laughs> your one index, they could shoot up to a four or five. If, the mean, way you keep playing is, uh, if you keep that up, so. I'd be okay with that. I would be okay with that. That's our buddy, Clint bowling. Again, be sure to follow him on Twitter. Beg for a special tweet at C bowling 60. Keep in mind. He did not even wish his wife a happy birthday on the popular social media website. I am at drew Butler on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us at punt and pass throw murray a follow too if you don't already at aaron murray 11 and a brand new punt and is coming out soon it will have a merchandise shop clint is known for wearing his punt and pass gear using his punt and pass tees that's probably why he has broken 80 so fast clint appreciate your time my man all right that does it for this episode of punt and pass appreciate y'all listening be sure to rate review and subscribe on itunes and we will talk to you later see you